Hashtag you don't have to be Jewish. It is 7.23. I'm Howard Feldman. Good morning, Dr. Carl, our science communicator. Good morning to you. How are you? Ah, episode Pixie Keen, and lovely to be with you again. Indeed. So one of our listeners, Anton L., saying, Hi, Dr. Carl. On hot days, why does one feel more uncomfortable by the evening? Is it uh, that our house walls radiate as a stored heat inside or humidity increases? Is it a body clock thing? And, uh, yeah, uh, any, any, any assistance for Anton? Um, I don't have enough information, but let's just start. Firstly, yes, the body clock. You are evolved to wake up in the morning and then have a little nap in the morning and then lunch and then a little nap in the afternoon. And it's our fascist imperialist oppressors of the honest working class proletariat <laughs> that have forced us to give up mm-hmm. our wonderful morning and afternoon naps and instead take drugs such as tea and coffee to stay awake and become better work units. So all that aside... We do have a natural tendency to get tired at night where you need a little lie-down. We are not infinitely workable machines that can keep on increasing our productivity by 5% every year. We are humans, and we need time to be ourselves and to rest. So firstly, yes, you do get tired at night. Secondly, um, is your house radiating heat from the walls? This I do not know. It all depends on how your house is designed, and it can range from a tent to something that is facing the afternoon sun and picking up all the heat and radiating inside to something that has shade on the west side of the house that stops it from radiating. So that's another potential factor. So you're very observant there. Also, uh, the humidity, I don't know what happens in your local area. So it's a bunch of things, but basically I think kind of they got it right in most of the religious texts mm-hmm. where you work for eight hours a day, many days of the week and you have a few days off every now and then hmm. very very interesting so uh, Anton I hope that is helpful to you let's talk about vaping again and I think it's very important it's it's a vital subject because there is still no doubt in my mind that many parents think that it is harmless and they don't really mind their kids vaping what is what are we starting to see um, we're beginning to see bad things. In the state of New South Wales and Australia, for some reason, the federal government relaxed all of its um, importation relationships, regulations. And so what we have is a situation that firstly, after many years of seeing smoking incidents going down, uh, suddenly we've got to the stage now where one quarter of all high school students are vaping, one quarter. Uh, secondly, of the products that are brought mm-hmm. in, virtually none say that they contain the addictive drug called nicotine, but 98% do. It's an addictive That's drug. And so the kids take it, they don't know they're taking it, and they get they want to have more, and they don't know that they're taking an addictive drug because it doesn't say so on the outside because there's no government regulations. In Australia, I don't know what the situation is in South Africa. Thirdly, um, they look sort of cute and they smell nice and they've got a menthol or whatever. And what we're finding is in both Australia and the USA, a vast increase in the numbers of communications with poison centres for children. And in Australia, and the figures are similar in the USA, over 70% of all the phone calls to the poison centres 
uh, with regard to children doing vaping, and let me say, not children under the age of 14, but children under the age of four. What? That's right, the number four. between three and five. 71% of all phone calls are parents coming across their kid looking very messy and a vaping thing and they smell of vaping. 71% are for relating to kids under the age of four. In Australia, the situation with tobacco is that tobacco smoking kills 20,000 people a year. Um, the tobacco companies do have the option of paying tax, but they choose not to exercise that option. Uh, there is some revenue gained. It's about $10 billion a year in exchange for the 20,000 dead people, but the costs to our community are of the order of $100 billion. So the Australian taxpayer is paying $80 billion to kill 20,000 Australians each year, and the only people who benefit are the tobacco companies. I don't know what the situation is in South Africa. Well, it's certainly, it's a, to some extent, a war the same as it is in Australia because you've got, we don't have enough regulations yet. They are hoping to, to pass some, some rules around it. But the problem as well is the vaping stores are these very colorful, bright, shiny, it really looks like they could be fruit juice stands, uh, with these, these sort of healthy glowing colors with, with very cool looking teenagers uh, standing behind the counters at shopping malls. And, uh, it, it really sends the whole marketing approach is very, very powerful. And it's certainly a big problem here in South Africa as, uh, as very clearly it is in Australia as well. Mm. Well, I actually ran for the federal parliament in Australia mm -hmm. in 2007, which cost me a lot of money, which I'm still paying off. And I learned <laughs> an amazing lesson I didn't right. expect to find. And what is that? It really didn't matter what particular political party the person belonged to. It really didn't matter. What mattered was were they in the majority of people who were in politics to feather their nest or in the minority who are there to make things better for our children. And I think that some politicians are, how to put this delicately, easily influenced by mm, lobby groups mm, such as mm. tobacco lobby groups. Right. And so they make, or they, they, they make decisions such that the outcome is not best for our children and their children. Ain't that the very, very sad truth? And certainly we know about, uh, corrupt politicians here in South Africa. We could write you a book. In fact, we probably already have. Dr. Carl, thank you. As always, he is our Australian science communicator and a popularizer. It is 7.30. Good morning.